Another week without content, but still another stacked show. We got the top news, an interview with a star from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the debut of the Direct Stock Exchange, and a Green Lantern fan casting. To navigate through all that, peep those time codes in the description below. It's the Direct Podcast, and it starts right now. Truth is, I am a Jedi, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. <laughs> Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave! Blow that piece of junk out of the sky! See you in a minute. I'm mad. I could do this all day. This is the way. But I'm also a big fan of justice. I'm vengeance. I'll show you the dark side. Why did you say that, man? Come on! Let's get nuts. Assemble. It's episode 32 of the Direct Podcast, back in business. Once again, no Loki, no WandaVision, no Falcon Winter Soldier, but we still have an absolute stacked show for you. I'm your host, the Colossus of Clicks, Liam Crowley, joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, the Captain, Matt Remke. Matt, how are we doing? I'm doing fantastic, Liam. I got a bone to pick with you right off the top. Oh, boy. Right off the top. We came up with an amazing new nickname for you, and you didn't even put it in the script. And I just can't believe that we didn't start the show just like that with a brand new nickname for my boy, but you skipped it. So you know what? I'll introduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm joined today by, you know, the very Irish Liam Crowley, who will henceforth be known as the man, the, the king of the hills to die on, Liam Crowley. Let's give it up. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I didn't realize how often I say that until you pointed it out. And I was like, you know what? Let's just brand it at this point. You have an unbelievable amount of hills that you are willing to die on. <laughs> I love every single one of them. So you are now the king of the hills to die on, at least for a little bit, at least for a little bit. So I'm thinking I'm thinking that's what we roll with. And I'm upset you didn't put it in. You da- you down king of the hill to die on? I'm, I'm down, Threads guy. I think I'm down. Hey, let's do it, man. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> let's go. Uh, but before we get into the sizzle reel, the top news, all the segments we got planned for today's show, we do want to give you a little bit of a production update. Starting June 11th, mark those calendars. We are moving. Get those U-Haul trucks out. We're moving episodes to Fridays. Woo! Woo! Yeah, Fridays, yeah. Friday, the reason. Fridays that matter. Absolutely. We, the reason for this move, uh, we'll talk all about, uh, all about it in the sizzle, but with Loki now going to Wednesdays, we want to ensure that the reviews get out as soon as possible. We've already heard uh, people wanting next day reviews and it's not super possible with me and Matt's schedules, but we can get them out at least at the very most uh, two days after episodes drop. So with Loki coming on Wednesdays, we'll be moving episodes to Fridays. That's not to say it's a permanent change though. It all just depends on when Marvel drops their shows. If they do a Thursday drop, we're moving to Saturdays. If they go back to Friday, we're going back to Sundays. You catching my drift? Absolutely. It's all about getting you guys the content you're looking for at the appropriate time. That being said, Black Widow's coming, baby. It's almost here. It's almost about to happen. We have done two movie reviews on this podcast, both DC, both as bonus episodes. We are going to continue that trend as movies start ramping up in the back half of the year. Movie reviews will be their own separate episode. We will tease them here on our main stream, the direct podcast. But you know, keep an eye out for the same feed um, for Black Widow review, Shang-Chi review, etc., Suicide Squad, as they come out. Because we, we, we like talking about that stuff way too much to cram it in to an episode with top 
top news and features and guests. Um, so, you know, just keep an eye out for that once Black Widow ramps up and then the, the end of the year is full of movies. So tons of bonus content coming your way in the form of movie reviews. This summer is going to be sizzling for the direct podcast. I am so stoked. We got so much, so much in the pipeline, so much that you don't even know about that we got scheduled coming up. We'll get into it in future weeks. But for now, what we can get into is the top news of the week. You know it. You love it. It's the sizzle reel. Loki has already changed the game. It was announced by Tom Hiddleston himself that the upcoming series of Loki will be dropping on Wednesdays as opposed to the classic Marvel Fridays we have become accustomed to. No news on the time of release as of now. And have yourself a week. Andrew Garfield in multiple interviews. The former Peter Parker addressed his Spidey return in No Way Home with a wide range of warning people not to get their hopes up to a never say never quote. Do we know? Maybe not till December. Koi, koi, man. We have a hawk sighting as a recent set photo gave us our first very distant look at who Ethan Hawk will be playing in the upcoming Moon Knight series. His character had long hair and a dashing suit, suggesting a vampiristic look. Not a word is a word now. Vis-a-vis, Dracula. That's my call. Mmm, I like that. Switching over to the worlds of DC, the standalone movie may officially be dead after what seemed to be the perfect one-off for the one of the most famous comic book characters of all time. The Joker sequel, starring Joaquin Phoenix, is reportedly still in the works, giving doubt to Elseworlds fans as a crossover with Matt Reeves as the Batman has not been ruled out just yet. No one asked, but still. And The Flash is finally in production after Iris West actor Kiersey Clemens shared a set photo, meaning the ever-elusive Flash movie has finally got some boots on the ground. Liam, cameras are a-rolling. And our next Superman movie will be eerily familiar and amazingly different as it has been confirmed that Warner Bros. is looking for a black actor to portray Kal-El and this version will hail from Krypton and may be set in the 20th century. So much changes with Superman coming up. And the news from a galaxy far, far away and or set photos. A new glimpse showcasing lead actor Deanna Luna boarding an unidentified space vehicle alongside a coastal defender stormtrooper Andor is happening and in more news on miss marvel the flash all the other star wars projects going on and so much more be sure to head on over to the direct.com once again that is the direct.com stole a page out of matt's playbook there to wrap up our sizzle reel matt we have so many segments Woo! planned we, we talked extensively in, in pre-production about how excited we were to do all these new segments and then the news just piled on so much from all three universes I do want to address the Loki one off the bat since we kind of chatted about it in our production update. Marvel Wednesdays, yeah. very strange, but Woo. kind of welcoming. What What are your initial thoughts on that? I'm excited. I'm 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 extremely excited. Something about the middle of the week bump that you know I think is going to do really well for the show, really well for the fandom, and I think that it's going to bring a whole new whole new dynamic to a completely dynamic show. Um, like we've mentioned, this is the most Elseworld story we have on the docket right now, omitting, I guess, what if, but you know, that's almost inherently 
not canon. You know what I mean? Um, Auxiliary. Exactly. That's a good word for it. So I think that Loki being on Wednesdays is right up this character's alley. One, you know, just to be different. But two, I think what's going to be interesting is what's really been the most interesting to me so far is social media. Um, Because, you know, we've kind of gotten both ends of the spectrum. Nothing for or against either of these shows. But WandaVision, I mean, that was six straight days of theorizing and questioning and talking about the show every single time a new episode dropped leading right into every Thursday where it switched to excitement for the next episode. Whereas Falcon and winter soldier, it it didn't feel nearly as um, extensive of a social media buzz, you know, not nearly as much theorizing, not nearly as many questions or, or thoughts of what could or can happen and stuff like that. It was more of a two to three day cycle as opposed to the week long cycle, two months straight cycle that WandaVision was how I want to ask you, Liam, you know, Gen Z or media guy, you you are in touch with everything involved with what I'm talking about. How do you see social media reacting in the middle of the week on a Wednesday as opposed to a weekend celebration of each episode? It's going to be really odd because Falcon Winter Soldier, I think there's there's two reasons why the buzz wasn't as strong as WandaVision. One being it's not as speculation friendly because right. what you see is kind of what you get. There was some elements that we could theorize about but most of it was pretty straightforward. But on top of that, I also think that there was a bit of Marvel fatigue. I think that coming off of nine weeks of WandaVision, people were like, oh, I'm enjoying this, but like, I don't really want to exhaust all my Twitter fingers into this every week. With Loki now taking a little bit of a break and going back to a story that lends itself so well to the speculation, the theorizing, mix that in with a Wednesday, it's going to be really telling to, to see just how dominant marvel is because the speculation and the the chatter on twitter will definitely be prevalent for all of wednesday and probably bleed into thursday but if they can somehow bleed that conversation into the weekends it's going to just light a fire under these marvel projects and really tell marvel studios any day of the week is open because as a couple of my friends were saying you know it doesn't really matter that loki is moving to wednesdays because you know back in the day with cable tv shows were dropping every day of the week like you know, The Flash, I remember when I was in high school and I was watching that religiously. It's still on now, but I don't watch it week to week anymore. It was dropping on Tuesdays. And then I'd watch it Tuesday night, come into school on Wednesday, talk with my friends, and it would kind of disperse. These shows are so online fandom heavy that it is a little different. You almost want that weekend to be right there after it drops. But also it makes business sense with, you know, Bad Batch coming out every Friday. They don't want to like overlap their content per se. And on top of that, Black Widow, July 9th, the weekend Black Widow drops. That Wednesday will be episode five of Loki. If episode five of Falcon Winter Soldier and episode eight of WandaVision, the penultimates taught us anything, those are going to be massive, massive episodes. They do want to space that out a little bit. I look at this Loki Wednesdays as an overall net positive. I think there are some negatives to it for sure, but it's almost like a test run to see just how dominant Marvel streaming can be when it comes to moving to other days of the week. I mean, dude, they could do whatever they want at this point. Like, yeah. it just feels like like the fact that they have such a big show for such a big character and they might be testing something with it. Like, dude, these people have so much money and I love it. And another thing that I think lends to the conversational aspect of it is, um, you know, WandaVision was stressful 
to watch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I, it was, I was stressed out every single week. Falcon Winter Soldier, a completely different watching experience. It was more emotional and more, um, you know, it was a story. It wasn't a mystery. It was a story. Loki is way more on the WandaVision side. Like you said, that was a great point. And I think that breeds a lot of Twitter um, chatter is, you know, stress likes company. We all want to be stressed out together. We want to know that everybody else is going through it at the same time. Let's talk about them. Let's talk about yeah. your boy, Andy Garfield, mm. because he's, he's, he's handsome. He's got amazing head of hair and he plays a great weird Peter Parker, but this guy is all over the map. This is a Sony employee. If I've ever seen one, I mean, come on, Andy, you're giving us such a definitive answer on one side and such a definitive answer on the other all within the same week. I was so on board with his first statement about how, uh, just to recap, sorry, bad journalism. Um, I'm the color guy. <laughs> uh, Andrew Garfield was asked about his return to Spider-Man No Way Home, just like every other Spider-Man actor has been asked for the past year. He laughed and told everybody, listen, I need to tell everybody, chill out. Stop getting your hopes up because, you know, we're all going to be disappointed. And I was all on board for that because we'll get into it later. But, you know, I, I, I understand that point of reference. But then two days later, nah, never say never. Wink, wink. I mean, come on. Was he just drinking that day? What's going on? I, I feel like the, the interview process with, with actors like this they do get kind of tired of saying the same old thing over and over again. So I don't look at the never say never as him just kind of playing both sides. I think it's just him just, you know, trying to change it up a little bit with his responses. But at the same time, as you said, this dude is a Sony employee. I was, we, we both, I know, analyzed that response and all that and, and chatted about what he meant, what he was going for. And the big takeaway I had was he said that his phone never rang. Yeah, because your manager's phone would ring. Like, that's not a lie. That's oh, him just, on. you know, avoiding information. <laughs> like, like I do think, I do think he's in this movie. I do think Toby's in this movie as well. And when he does get asked about this interview in January, 2022, he'll say, well, I didn't technically lie because my manager is the one who takes the calls. Like, that's what I think he's going for here. Uh, I did really appreciate how he compared it to a game of a uh, werewolf or uh, like, you know, alien and all that, where mm -hmm. it's like, you know, trying to convince people like I'm not the alien. I'm telling the damn truth. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, it internally, but all your friends are like, you're the damn alien. You're, you're the one trying to abduct us. And he's like, what do you want me to say? Like, yeah, I, I, I think he's playing coy, but at the same time, he's, he's doing the best he can. Can I put on my Jid Z pants for a sec? Okay. Yeah, Sus yeah. as a hell, Andrew Garfield, right? <laughs> Like, come yeah. on. It's that little game with the, the hazmat suit, guys. Uh, yeah. Upon us. Around Among us. us. <laughs> Among us. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, what are we getting to? Uh, Joker. Joker. Can we Joker, talk about Let's Joker. talk a little Joker. Um, the We've never talked about this movie, Liam. Yeah. And so I do have some thoughts on the initial Joker. I think it is a magnificent film but one I probably will never see again because it made me really uncomfortable in the theater. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was real. It was dark and yeah. it, it, it was uncomfortable. Like that's the best way to describe it. And I did appreciate the idea of, okay, you know, DC, Marvel, Star Wars, they have so many expansive characters. Let's, let's take one and really just apply a cool story and not have a bunch of crazy special effects or, or big like set photos, not set photos, uh, action set pieces. I mean, 
And, and let's tell a really grounded story. And I think they did that in spades. It got a ton of Oscar buzz. It got nominated for Best Picture. And Joaquin Phoenix walked away with the hardware. He won Best Actor for it. I don't like the idea of just milking a property for the sake of milking it. Because in a sequel, undeniably, based on where that movie left off, he would be Clown Prince of Crime Joker and being all like, up, oh, he's up to something. And there would be like maybe Batman's getting older in the universe or you couldn't really tell a character origin story because the origin story has already been told and you can't really tell a character piece when we already know so much about this character. Like, I feel like Joker succeeded because of how much was rooted in mystery and going along this journey. How much further along the journey does he really have to go? Uh, I I don't care too much for a a Joker sequel, but I do kind of maybe like the idea of him appearing in a Matt Reeves Batman movie down the line as in, you know, a supporting character, but as a standalone sequel, uh, I I wouldn't exactly put my money behind it. I'm so conflicted about this because I really enjoyed uh, the Joker movie. I, I had so much fun with it. Um, I, uh, that fun's a weird word because it is such a fucked up movie, but, um, (laughs) You know, classic me. I got upset when people compared it to Ed Gabe right away. <laughs> um, you know that 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 was my biggest takeaway in 2019. But um, so I I love I loved that character in that movie because it was such an organic. You know, just like we talked about with the Falcon Winter Soldier for two months, it was such an organic take on the idea of the Joker. You know, somebody who loses it over time. And, and at the end of the day, he's just, because his mind has been so warped by all these traumatic experiences, he comes up with the idea that crime is the greatest way to cope with what I'm going through. You know what I mean? Like I can, I can make my struggles go away by increasing them for others around me through crime. And, you know, it all cultivates on stage with, uh, uh, Bob De Niro. And it's just that great scene of, you know, he didn't, he didn't blow up a bank. He didn't. He didn't make a big deal, or like you know, threaten the mob or whatever, <laughs> all that stuff. But he shot a famous TV anchor live on air. Like it's simple. It's 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 to the point. It's not subtle at all. You know, there's nothing mysterious about what he did. And then we see Gotham pop like a balloon. So for those reasons. I wonder where the story could go, just like you said. But there are other reasons that I do like the idea of this movie getting pushed forward because, much to my surprise, Bruce Wayne's in that movie. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. It's nuts. There's a very good chance that the Joker and Bruce Wayne, brothers, in that movie. You know, it's a storyline that I forgot until just now. But I've only seen the movie once. But... To all that end, I think it has the greatest Joker moment I've ever seen. You know, Heath Ledger, obviously. But, dude, when he rubs that blood and gets his smile, which is, you know, (sighs) cinematically, we could talk about how amazing that moment is because he finally found his smile and it's blood in his mouth. Like, like it's just such a powerful, amazing... I got chills all up and down my body when I saw that on theaters. To have that moment... And not do anything with it seems a little silly, right? <laughs> like, but you know, like I put in the script here, this just proves that the one-off story is dead. Everything gets a sequel forever and always, forever. Yeah, and it, it's, I I do acknowledge the idea of like, okay, well, we we made that moment happen, and like now let's build upon it. But like, I don't know, I would I would love to see 
you know how Black Mirror, every episode is an anthology. I would love to see DC just embrace Elseworld stories as anthologies and give me give me a, a Riddler solo movie where we go through Edward Nigma, you know, in his day to day life and then never get a sequel. Just like a bunch, like build up this collection of Elseworld stories. I think it would be really cool and franchise it like that rather than franchise around one character. You can say from the minds that brought you Joker, here is character X, character Y, character Z. And that's that's how you could franchise it rather than just like I, I I don't know because I'm not married to the original Joker movie from 2019 and I'm not going to like see a sequel say the sequel is terrible I'm not going to be upset if it takes away from the original because I don't love the original enough for me to be like damn I'm upset but I do don't like I do dislike the idea of franchising for the sake of franchising that said DC it's <laughs> it's called a spade a spade it's rare that they hit a home run like they did with Joker why wouldn't you want to now keep going to the plate yep Yep, uh, I like the idea of instead of a movie franchise with continuity, what about a movie collection like yeah. they used to do back in the day, you know? So mm. we'll see. Um, uh, do we want to get – I know we have so much to get to today. but Let's let's talk Superman because it, okay. it kind of broke the internet the day it dropped. Yep. I, a lot of conflicting emotions. I really, really rubs me the wrong way that this news dropped on, uh, on his Henry birthday. Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill's birthday. Like, wow, that's – I'm I'm sorry. That's too much of a coincidence not to be intentional. And I don't even know what the guy has done wrong, except say that he wants to play Superman forever and he loves the character and he appreciates Warner Bros. Like, I, I don't know. It it is weird to me because I do think, you know, for as as controversial of a figure uh, as Zack Snyder can be with his movies, I really like Man of Steel. And I know people have like go back and forth on it as being like, a great movie but i think most people can agree it's a good movie and it's a solid superman origin story and i think it really blends the three big elements of young clark kent's krypton and then adult clark kent's with him being superman and i think a sequel would have been really cool to see i understand the idea of wanting to do uh, a black version of the character and i think that if done right it can be done really well but I, I look at it, let's let's make the, the Captain America comparison because a lot of people were, were mentioning it, not clamoring about it, but mentioning it on Twitter. It would be very odd to me to do Cap, Captain America, the first Avenger, and then, you know, the next time we see the character in a solo movie, it's now Sam Wilson has taken up the shield. Like, Steve Rogers still had so much left to do. And of course, he got his finality and his story over the course of the decade. And then we pass the shield to Sam and it feels like a big moment. What, like Henry Cavill still has so much to do with Superman. And I, I don't understand the mentality of not wanting to exercise that. And it is different from the Sam Wilson, Steve Rogers situation, because as we know, they want to recast Cal-El and make him uh, black instead. It's not like a, a different character within the universe that Superman would pass his mantle to. But I just think that there's a time and place to do that in five, 10 years down the line when Cavill's ready to hang up the red cape. I, I just, I wish that he got to finish his tenure. I mean, I, uh, just to, you know, argue that real quick. I mean, he did get a trilogy, you know, you know, the Batman rule. I mean, you know, nobody's upset Christian Bale didn't get a fourth Batman movie. Sure. But if, if you want to look at it like that, like I'll make the cap comparison again, is the first Avenger civil war, and then Infinity War, a trilogy to you of cat movies? No. 
Because that's so kind of how Superman went. Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Justice League. Well, we all know the problems with that. <laughs> I mean, that's... Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a whole different problem that we've talked about at length on this. Um, I think that what's interesting about what you just said, I don't see a lot of people upset about Black Superman. I don't see that No, at that's all. not the problem what, at all. Yeah, no, no. But what I do see is people upset that it's not Henry Cavill. Not that, you know, it's a Black guy. It's that it's not Henry Cavill. And I think that's a really interesting uh, paradigm, you know, like, you know, this is such and it's just another Warner Brothers fault that, you know, this is this should be a huge revolutionary thing. Black Superman. I mean, that's that's amazing for, you know, just people of color everywhere, just diversity. And I mean, this is the most iconic superhero of all time. It should be a huge deal, something that we're all celebrating. But because of the fumbling of the Snyder run and Henry Cavill's involvement with that. It's, it's, it's more problematic than it should be for all for completely different reasons than anybody would guess. So, um, yeah, I went, I went into this really excited, but now I've just upset that Warner brothers, this, this is a watered down monumental event because we want to see more Henry Cavill. I'm with you. You know, I think it'd be kind of cool. If Henry Cavill went from Clark Kent, the symbol of hope, justice in the American way, transition into Frank Castle. Oh my god! I mean, come on, yo, come on! Yo. I just have the greatest Punisher fan cast of all time. It's pretty, pretty hot. And uh, Harry Chest and everything, man. I hope those uh, those fan cast gears keep turning because we got a Green Lantern fan cast later <laughs> in the show, but. Earlier this week, you know, aside from Marvel and DC, we did celebrate Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you all. And Star Wars chatter was popping all throughout the day. A lot of people were uh, posting photos. Got me a little emotional. Got me people posting photos about, you know, their theater experiences with Force Awakens, Last Jedi, uh, Rise of Skywalker, all that. Um, But we did get some content along the way. Star Wars dropped the first episode of The Bad Batch and here to discuss Everything you need to know about The Bad Batch is the Direct.com's very own Savannah Sanders. Welcome in to a Star Wars segment set in a galaxy far, far away. Our very first Bad Batch review. We're very honest here on the Direct Podcast. Liam and I have not dove in to the animation side of Star Wars as much as we would have liked to. So we're bringing in the big guns. We're bringing in the experts. And that today is taking the form of one of the Direct.com's Star Wars correspondent and our Disney Parks expert, the one, the only Savannah Sanders. Savannah, how we doing? Doing great. It's been a week for Star Wars fans. I'm excited Mm -hmm. to talk about it with you. We're excited to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on to give us a look at the cartoon side of the Star Wars universe. You know, it's a it's a niche thing that, you know, it's kind of a cult mentality with the Star Wars fans, but it's growing day by day. So the Bad Batch, we got to get into it. The first two episodes have dropped. Time of recording episode two dropped today. So I want to know just kind of what have you been liking? What have you been disliking about the Bad Batch so far? Or is it just all around awesome? I would say it's pretty much at this point all around awesome. Um, First episode was definitely better than today's, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, It it was 70 minutes. It hit the ground running with action. I mean, it it flew by. There was so much that took place. A lot of cool reveals. Uh, Today's episode, still great. A bit more more of a pause, a bit more personal. 
Um, some might call it a bit of a filler, but I think what they established in today's episode is going to play out more down the road. So I'm good with it. Star Wars filler episodes have been uh, something that, you know, we've come to grow and love and dislike, you know, at the time, like with Mandalorian, I, I seem to be upset with filler episodes, but by the end of the season, they always play out great. So that's the magic of Filoni, right? So true. Absolutely. So uh, the Bad Batch, what an amazing concept. The Suicide Squad of Star Wars essentially is the idea. Um, you know, a little more history, obviously, with all the Clone Wars stuff. And it's full of a crazy cast of characters soon to be including one of my favorite Star Wars characters, Fennec Shand. Um, I want to ask you, who is your favorite character in the Bad Batch so far? Two episodes in. At this point, I would say Hunter. Mm -hmm. um, he's the leader of the Bad Batch. The first two episodes have really centered on him. So it's probably why he kind of has my attention right now. But I'm also excited about um, Echo. Mm -hmm. Haven't seen a whole lot from him yet, but due to his history in the Clone Wars, I think they're really going to use his story in a big way in this series. So um, probably Hunter number one, and then Echo is like right there at number two. It is just so <laughs> exciting. <laughs> to see universe building in Star Wars. You know, it's 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 yes. something that has been weirdly lacking um, since the Disney trilogy came out. It just hasn't felt organic and it's just so cool that they're finally building off all these stories. Yes, it is, absolutely. Awesome, so, uh, you know, we're two episodes in, there's a few episodes to go. So I gotta ask you, what are you most excited about moving forward? Is it Hunter's journey? Is it fleshing out Echo more? Or is there a plot point that you're pretty much excited to see fleshed out throughout the next few episodes. I personally am more excited about the timeline that they're exploring. Um, we have not seen much of the early days of the Empire. There is so much storytelling potential there that's unexplored. So I'm I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see the rise of the Empire and how that affects the galaxy. That Star Wars timelines, man, it's just, it keeps getting better and better. How they've managed to fit so many stories within this gap that they put in is ridiculous. So, guys, that's our Bad Batch review. We're going to be coming back in a couple weeks. I think Jack Pugh is going to be our next one. But, Savannah, we're going to have you back on, I think, for our Bad Batch season review once we kind of get this thing wrapped up, if you're cool with that. Oh, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Savannah, thank you so much for coming on. Make sure to check her out on Twitter, and her Twitter handle is... Disney Park Savvy. That's right. Disney Parks <laughs> Savvy. My girl. Thank you so much. Please make sure to check out Savannah on the direct.com as well. And we will see you next time on the Star Wars Review. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in fucking circles. Welcome into the Direct Stock Exchange, the segment where we break down what projects you need to invest your attention in. This week, it's all things MCU with Marvel's Phase 4 sizzle reel dropping this past Monday. We're going through all 11, count them, 11 upcoming theatrical MCU releases and labeling them with their trajectory, rising, falling, booming, tanking, or plateauing. As we go through, we will each have the opportunity to buy sell or hold one project each matt you ready oh i'm ready the market is open let's go i'm so excited to do this i cannot wait to dive through each project i want to ask you real quick though liam the sizzle reel how many emotions did that thing make you feel dude chills chills Dude, it wasn't even fair about, it's not fair 
It wasn't even about the new footage. It was about, first off, the Stanley monologue throughout oh. it all and how we all get brought together and we go to the movies to escape from our reality and, and put ourselves in these stories. But the biggest thing, I'm getting chills right now, just thinking I about do, it. Dude, dude, look at that, me right now. Dude, my, yeah, my hair's standing up. Freeze frame, freeze frame. Um, we go back to that sizzle reel, that final title card. Ugh. See you at the theaters. See you at the movies, excuse me. Man, let's go to the movies. Let's go to the show. Um, that thing was an emotional roller coaster. I mean, the first half, literally, I, I have a post credits breakdown on MCU Direct social channels if you want to just hear more of our thought, thoughts on that. But the first half was a tribute to twenty four to twenty three twenty three movies before. Oh, and by the way, this is everything we got coming up. I mean, they can do no wrong a uh, friend of the show tim getty's pointed out and i'm gonna mirror his thoughts here i'm gonna watch this video so many times in my life you know anytime i'm feeling down about a day i'm gonna watch that video because it's it's everything it's the past it's the present it's the future it's this is the greatest movie thing ever the mcu and i'm just so happy to talk about it anyway stock market liam kick it off Let's rock and roll. We got 11 movies here. Damn. We got 11 trajectories to break down. We're going to kick things Jeez. off with the first one, Black Widow. Obviously a little odd because it's got the hybrid release, but we are going to have it in a movie theater come July 9th. Matt, I'll ask you right off the top. What is your trajectory for Black Widow's stock? Um, I'm going to start this off. I just praised MCU, you know, to the ends of the earth. And I'm going to start this off kind of negative. I'm going to go as falling. Not for any fault of anything that has to do with the movie. This is a movie that we've been waiting a year and a half for, you know, like, like this is, this movie was supposed to come out. What was the original date? Do you remember? May, 2020, May, 2020. And here we are in May, 2021. And it's still a month, two months away. So, um, you know, it's just fatigue. I think, I think this is a COVID casualty that I have it as falling here. And I think something that's interesting. Um, this is a, retroactive movie set in phase three right and it's about a character who we know dies now there's going to be incredible lead-offs into the future of the mcu here we're going to learn a lot but just because this is a um a period piece some some could say this is a period piece of 2016 it's a movie we've been waiting for for a year and a half now it's almost like we kind of want to get it over with I'm, I'm so excited for it i think it's going to be amazing but i think just because of the fact that once black widow happens it is actually full-on phase four um and i think that's going to be really exciting so i have it as falling but still over the moon excited for it you're a braver man than me matt ramke because you kind of just took the words that i've been thinking about for months but just never never really had the guts to say i do <laughs> think it's a get let's get it over with movie and that's to no fault of Scarlett Johansson, of the character of Natasha Romanoff. It's just the fact that our first trailer for this movie, I believe, was like Christmas time 2019. Yeah. And they've they've been recycling the footage because how much more can you show us before you give away the biggest stuff? Like they've saved, I'm sure, a lot of great stuff for this movie that they desperately want to attach to new marketing uh, promotional material, but just can't because it's like, we got to save something for the movie. So... I'm still excited, but I'm also going to mirror what you said. It's falling a bit for me. Even when that final trailer came out, it wasn't enough to like change my anticipation levels. I was like, okay, 
let's go. Like at the end of the day, it's still, you know, a prequel movie and kind of feels inconsequential at this time. I'm sure when we hop on the review come July 9th, we're going to say a lot of things about, man, this shocked us all, you know, maybe JLD pops back up as, as Val and all that, who knows, but for now it's falling stock for me. Yeah. And, and I assume as soon as the calendar turns over to July, it skyrockets to the top of everybody's list. Cause it's almost mm-hmm. a week away, you know, absolutely moving things forward with Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings coming out September 3rd, 2021. Matt, I'll ask you off the top. What is Shang-Chi looking like? Oh, it's rising. This thing's the this thing was the first new trailer we've had in a long time from Marvel that wasn't a Disney Plus show. I thought it was an incredible trailer, and it just kind of proved that you know this this along with you know projects like Guardians, projects like um, uh, obscure Marvel characters coming out, Moon Knight, things like that. Like Shang Chi is not a very well known character, but just that trailer got everybody so excited for the character of Shang Chi, not just the movie of Shang Chi. I have it as rising just because it's coming off the hotness of that trailer that, you know, still when I see footage from it, you know, weeks and weeks later, still gets me hype. And also the return of the origin movie. I pointed out when uh, in our bonus episode about this trailer, our first true origin movie since 2016. And I think a good trailer and, and a true origin story, plus an actor who cares so much about the fans of the MCU. This uh, Simu Liu, I'm gonna have a really hard time with that over the next few months. Uh, Simu Liu, he is a fan's actor for these movies. He he will read the comics. He will know about the character. He knows everything we know, and he's excited about it. And I, that's why I have it as rising. And he's a great Twitter follow too. Hit him up on Twitter. Twitter. Uh, very entertaining. I am actually gonna go plateauing with Shang-Chi. Not to say anything negative, but just the trailer hit. And I think when the trailer hit, it was rising. But what we got in the sizzle specifically didn't do anything for my my hype levels. It's still at the same it was. I think that uh, there's a lot of great things to say about how much footage they emphasize. I'm, I'm pretty sure some of the, the Shang-Chi uh, kicks on that train ended this sizzle reels, which kind of goes to show if you're ending a big Marvel trailer with a collection of projects like this, uh, it shows that the bosses over there have a lot of faith that this is going to be successful, but my anticipation is still at the same. It was um, after the trailer came out, the trailer got me hype, but this didn't really change anything. That's why it's plateauing for me moving now towards November, Matt, we got our first look at Chloe Zhao, excuse me, Academy award winning Chloe Zhao's Eternals. I feel like they should just retitle the movie to that (laughs) um, because of how much hype is around this movie Uh, only about you know 10 11 seconds of new footage but first glimpses first looks at costumes first looks at angelina jolie richard madden in the mcu matt where is eternals right now bye 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 a super riser here in the mcu stock exchange i mean I was excited about this movie over the moon for the past three, four weeks. Chloe Zhao's Nomadland I love. She won, uh, she got nominated for Academy Award Best Director. She won the damn thing. That's a stock riser right there. Looking at this cast, that's a stock riser right there. But seeing this footage, once I finally saw what this movie was going to look like, this looks different. 
and this looks like a completely different studio shot this thing and and I, I, all for the better you know this is such a unique take on such a unique group of characters if you thought you loved guardians get ready for eternals this is going to be the dramatic version of what we got with guardians of characters that nobody should care about but damn we are about to get some feelings bro chloe's out eternals bye 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 super riser it's absolutely a super riser for me i'm gonna say that the stock is rising right now in the general um vicinity people are talking about it but i don't think it's booming quite yet among marvel fans but i'm also gonna echo what you said i was thinking about saving it for later buy your eternal stock before it's too late i told you to do this months ago and after this first look after chloe's out adding some hardware to her repertoire the chances are getting thin because pretty soon come full trailer it's gonna be way too expensive to buy eternal stock so buy it now i think the fact that it also comes out in november i don't think is a coincidence because i think they're gonna push big awards buzz for this movie i think that there's a chance that kevin feige is like we want this to get nominated for best picture chloe Zhao is freaking directing it and we got angelina jolie richard madden camille nagiani uh kit harrington just to name a couple salma hayek uh, salma hayek dude there's so many names i'm forgetting them it's so cool eternals you know this is your last chance we're gonna do many more marvel stock exchanges many more stock exchanges with dc and star wars as well this is your last chance on the debut episode to buy your eternal stock so buy before it's too late moving now to december spider-man no way home no footage just we got to see that that title again and interestingly right before we saw the spider-man no way home title the title card that preceded it uh said the the weight um it will be worth the weight excuse me and then it showed that kind of a little wink and nod to you know what you've been speculating about it's it's gonna be worth it in the end matt spider-man no way home so don't hear what i'm not saying i'm gonna call it a plateau i'm gonna say it's uneven not because the hype isn't there the hype's always there spider-man moves the needle this is a fact you know the rule of f's and spider-man moves the needle those are the two things i know to be true in this world that we live in um so i i have it as neutral just because we haven't had a trailer just because there really hasn't been any official news lately and you want to look at me and say well matt what about all the rumors and speculation about everything going on? And I'll tell you, voice of public opinion, I'm going to tell you that's been happening for a year now, okay? It's neutral. And I'm about to shock the world here. Sell your Spider-Man stock. I think, obviously, the trailer is going to bring this up a little bit. And I think this is going to be an incredible movie, and I'm going to love every second of it. But having a conversation with friend of the show, David Thompson, he made me realize something. WandaVision taught us that rumors and expectations can genuinely take the fun out of what actually happens in projects. Spider-Man fans are nuts, Liam. I'm one of them. You're one of them. We just had a Spider-Man draft, essentially, last week. This, this is the character that moves the needle more than any other character in the Marvel space. The Tobey Maguire, the Andrew Garfield, the Emma Stone rumors happening around this movie, if they don't play out exactly how a lot of fans want them to, I legitimately think that Tasm stands and Raimi stands are going to walk away, not just, you know, 
like they were with Homecoming and Far From Home. Yeah, MCU Spider-Man is not as good as those, but was, I genuinely think Raimi and Tasm stands are going to dislike this movie if there's not enough Andrew Garfield, if there's not enough Tobey Maguire. And I think that's wrong. I disagree with what's happening there, but I do think that is a real possibility. If this isn't a genuine Spider-Verse with Tobey and Andrew at the forefront of at least Act 3, People are going to be so upset, I think wrongfully, but the fact stands. Sell your Spider-Man stock because I do think that there's going to be a portion of fans that this movie will be a letdown for. I am not one of them. I thought about, you know, putting my sell on Spider-Man stock, but I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to say that I see the trajectory still ever so slightly rising because of Andrew Garfield's comments. I think that the public hype for this movie is real. But what I do fear is, you know, it's going to rise so high. And then if those moments don't happen come December, I want to talk about a nightmare scenario. You mentioned, you know, Garfield and, and Maguire not being in the movie enough. What if they're not in the movie, period? Like Spider-Man, the stock's going to fall. You're going to have people saying that this movie is bad just because they weren't in it. It's, it's, yep. a, it's a real thing because... As I said, when we we're doing, uh, I believe it was the WandaVision finale, I mentioned that we need to separate our speculations from expectations. They're two very different things. I went into the WandaVision finale, leaving all my theories at the door, and I cried. I felt all the emotions. I had a great time. Same with Falcon Winter Soldier. Was I wanting old man Steve Rogers to pop up in the finale? Absolutely. What that didn't so take <laughs> away. That didn't take away from, from the emotions I felt. I am going to do my best to walk into this movie leaving a year, two years worth of speculation in my car and go into the theater. Man, that feels so good to say. But I do fear what could happen. At the time, I'm not going to say buy. I'm not going to say sell. I'm not even going to say hold. I'm going to say do what you want to do with your Spider-Man stock, but make that decision on your own. Don't let the internet tell you what to do with it because it's, it's volatile. It's the most volatile movie on this list. For good reason, we'll find out. And if you are a Raimi Spider-Man stan and you want to argue with a wall, please hit me up on Twitter at Matt Rimke, R-O-E-M-B as a boy, K-E. I am addicted to talking about Spider-Man 2 on Twitter. So hit me up. <laughs> He's addicted to talking Spider-Man 2. And I think we're all addicted to talking about the multiverse Woo! in general. Come 2022, we kick off the new year with Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. I am going to go to Matt first. Matt, where is stock for you right now with Doc Strange 2? Not loving having to go first every time. There's a lot of pressure when I don't have rising on, on the uh, list here. Um, just like with Black Widow, just like kind of what we mentioned with Spider-Man, I'm going to say slightly falling. Again, nothing about the movie is this falling. WandaVision had this movie at the top the tippy top mm. of everyone's list i believe brandon davis picked it for his most anticipated project after the first yeah. episode of wandavision um so I, I i'm gonna say falling just because the pieces are finally in place omitting peter parker we don't know what no way home's gonna do for this movie it's crazy to think that it's gonna do anything but it is um but you know we know where wanda's at we you know, know enough about where Doctor Strange is at. He's mysterious anyway. The Darkhold is involved. You know, that's that's a big deal for this movie. I think it's going to have a MacGuffin vibe. And I think that there's a lot that we 
know we can sense is going to happen because of the WandaVision finale. And while I'm, you know, guys, Wanda's in it. I'm stupid excited. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited about all these projects. But I do think that WandaVision had this thing so high that maybe the top got carved off once we've all kind of realized where Wanda is, where she's heading into Doctor Strange. And, you know, we don't know this trailer is going to, you think, it's going to break the internet twice, this trailer, you know? Because oh, yeah. we're all so excited to see Wanda again. We're so excited to see Doctor Strange again. So um, I'm going to say slightly falling, but not because of anything the movie did, just because WandaVision had this thing at the top. I am also going to say slightly falling. And for what happened with WandaVision, I know this is our first time doing uh, stock exchange, but if we were doing it come WandaVision, I'm sure that this thing would be booming right now. We'd tell everyone bye, bye, bye. Mm -hmm. For that reason and that theoretical, I'm going to say hold, hold your yeah. Doctor Strange okay. stock because it's 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 a kind of a weird time. I'm no stock expert, but I am a Dogecoin enjoyer very much so. And there are times where that stock will dip and I'll, you know, my hands will get a little frisky. Like, oh, should I just sell now? No, because the weeks go on and it goes back up and it goes back down. Stocks, you don't know. Are they going to go up, down, left, right? So why is this fairy dust? Fairy Anyways, Doctor Strange 2 is going to dip a lot this summer because we have so many grounded projects that are going to take away from it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Falcon Winter Soldier, not intentionally, but it took away some, some Doctor Strange hype because when that series wrapped up, oh, Cap 4 is in development. We want to see that now, now, now. When Hawkeye comes out, very grounded series, we're going to be talking about grounded MCU again. But then come December, when Spider-Man uh, No Way Home hits and Doctor Strange is in that movie and we walk away, hopefully having a good time, yeah. we're going to be excited to see Doctor Strange again. And as much as this stock might dip for the rest of 2021, come December 17, it's going to skyrocket. So my advice is to hold your Doctor Strange stock now moving forward with the cosmic mcu thor love and thunder coming out later in the spring of 2022 matt i'll go first on this one i think that the thor love and thunder stock is plateauing and i'm gonna say that because we don't really know anything new about this movie from the title i think uh i, I did get a little more excited seeing the title animated you know yeah you know how when, when yeah. we see the title come in together and we had only seen that Thor Love and Thunder title um, on, a, on a 2D graphic, getting to see it now go and do its whole, you know, Adobe After Effects um, yeah. motion and all that. It got me pretty excited because <laughs> these Taika Waititi titles are pretty cool, but nothing changed for my hype levels. And coming off of Ragnarok, I'm not super excited, but I also am going in knowing what to expect, which I think will have me walk away having a good time. But nothing really changed overall, so I'm going to say plateauing. Um, I'm going to say neutral, too, just because what you said, we haven't learned anything new about this project in a very long time outside of casting. I mean, this might be the biggest cast in a Marvel movie on this entire list. Like, there might yeah. not be a bigger cast on this list than Thor, Love and Thunder, Christian Bale, Russell Crowe, obviously headlining that outside of the Hemsworth and Natalie Portmans of the world. I can't wait for this movie. I'm so excited for the story. I'm so excited for a Thor legacy thread to be put in the MCU. You know, like the, you know, the idea of Hemsworth not being the only Thor, I think is incredibly exciting. Our first fourth installment for a character, which is incredibly um, huge. I mean, you think about where the Thor franchise has been, uh, you know, after phase one, I think undoubtedly people said that Thor was the weakest of the big three uh you know character franchises that began obviously competing with iron man's tough and steve rogers such a great character in phase two 
Thor Dark World, Liam loves it because, you know, King of the Hill. But um, it's it's widely regarded as one of the bottom tier Marvel movies. So going into Phase 3, the Thor franchise was on life support. And, you know, again, King of the Hill over there doesn't absolutely love it. But, I mean, I, I don't think outside of like the top standard top five MCU movies, I don't see any other movie consistently in the top 10 than Thor Ragnarok. You know, it's, it's a, such a lovable movie. You know what I mean? So for that movie to turn the franchise around and it now that franchise being the first fourth installment we get so huge, so big for Chris Hemsworth and everybody involved, uh, the Taika TD effect, man. So let's, let's, let's wait for a trailer, but you know, this one's pretty far out. It's pretty far away, and you know, until we start learning new things, we will see what happens. Random sports comparison for the Thor franchise. I look at Ragnarok as the 2019 Washington Nationals because they went into that season without Bryce Harper, you know, uh, lost their face of the franchise, and somehow walked away with a World Series title after being one, you know, one of the bottom ranked teams in the MLB. When that next season comes around 2020 expectations are almost like you already want us a championship. Like just go out and have a good season. I don't yeah. <laughs> think Thor Love and Thunder is looking to win another championship, but if it does like somehow the bar is high, but we're still not like, we're not desperately needing it to meet that bar. And if it does, I think that's pretty cool. And it goes to show how phenomenal Taika Waititi is uh, within the MCU, but not, not only that as just a director in general, we now move forward. Uh, into July of 2022 with the wonderfully retitled Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, Big thing with this title, as I noticed, uh, it reminded me a little bit about the Cap Civil War title because the subtitle Civil War was bigger than the character name, which kind of made you go into the movie saying, you know, I'm looking forward to Captain America, but the real meat of this story is Civil War. Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Black Panther's in smaller font. Wakanda forever is the focus and I'm getting chills right now just talking about it we're, we're honoring the legacy but it also has the double entendre of you know no one really dies in the Black Panther world you go on to the spiritual realm and same with Chadwick Boseman he's not going to be in this movie but his legacy his presence will definitely live forever uh, not just in Hollywood but in the MCU specifically uh, Matt I'll toss to you Black Panther Wakanda forever uh, where's it at um, I, I have it rising just because that's, you know, one of the greatest titles I've ever seen. I think it's so fitting. I teared up when I saw it on the sizzle and, uh, you know, I never thought, you know, two seconds of footage could really make me feel all those emotions, but they did. And I, uh, I love your spot there with Wakanda forever, really kind of being the title of this movie and black Panther almost being the subtitle. Um, that's really cool. The civil war comparison was great. I think there's kind of two camps to this movie. Um, you know, you either, and you know it could be three you know there's the t'challa recast which not very many people are in but you know you want to see michael b jordan come back and kind of take over the presence of chadwick boseman or like me you kind of want to see a shuri or uh naomi right naomi is that her i'm forgetting who's the love interest oh letitia oh letitia wright plays shuri no the love interest We'll get the research department. Absolutely. So you kind of want to see one of those, um, you know, Black Panther was not only a great movie for people of color, but the female presence of Black Panther is unbelievable. And you kind of, and like, if you're like me, you want to see one of the female characters, either Shuri or Nakia, Nakia 
thank you mm-hmm. um nakia take over the mantle and that movie kind of be their origin story is black panther but doesn't matter what camp you are i think this tells us we're going to learn so much more about wakanda and wakandan culture and maybe we dive around to the different tribes a little more that were introduced so well in the first movie maybe we actually flesh those out a little bit more not just uh you know t'challa's tribe or the mountain tribe you know we get into the different the herd tribe the forest tribe etc so uh, i have this as rising it's always going to be rising rest in peace king absolutely i I echo everything you said i i thought about putting it at booming for a second but it's just not there yet i think rising is an appropriate way to describe it uh i got got a lot of hype anticipation for this movie uh in a similar sense of of how you go into like a tribute concert in a Mm -hmm. way like you're you're hoping that they just do justice by um the the person who's passed on and i have no doubt they will I'm just almost like it's it's weird to say I'm excited to see how they honor his legacy, but I, I genuinely am because Marvel Studios does very little wrong, like, and they know how to handle um um stuff like this. And I I just want to know how they they interweave uh, such a real life tragedy um into the uh, into the MCU and, and honor Bozeman because I I think we're gonna walk away with. A lot of very beautiful moments, a lot of a lot of YouTube clips that we'll go back and revisit when you know we want to pick me up and stuff like that. And uh yeah, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, definitely arising. And by the time a trailer comes out, you're gonna be looking at booming for sure. The other movie we did get retitled, Captain Marvel 2. No longer having the captain in the title, it is just going to be known as the Marvels. And within that title, uh, you saw the spectrum, not the spectrum, uh Proton. Photon, Photon. She also goes by Spectrum in the comics, though, right? I'm, I'm thinking Photon just because it's canon in the MCU already. Yeah, you know, would make sense. Mm-hmm. We we got the Photon emblem on the A in Marvels, and then the S in Marvels made that Miss Marvel little lightning bolt there. I am gonna go with falling for the Marvels. Uh, I did not love Captain Marvel. In fact, it comes in dead last on my MCU rankings because Uh-oh. after the first act, I didn't have a good time. I thought that they kind of dropped the ball with the story and I thought that the character uh, was not introduced anyway as well as, as as previous characters being introduced into the MCU. That said, I almost have more faith in the movie now that they're making it kind of a triple lead with Kamala Khan, uh, Monica Rambeau, and uh brie larson's carol danvers and i'm most hype obviously for monica rambeau's return everyone walked away from wandavision uh very happy with with the portrayal uh and the evolution of that character after being introduced as just a little kid in uh 2019's captain marvel but i I will say it's falling a little bit because i'm not i'm not married to the title i think it could have been better but i think i think it's clever in a way and it it does what a, a title should do and that's um, emphasizes who's leading this movie. And I think that the Marvels does kind of give uh, appropriate balance of this is not just a Carol Danvers uh, sequel. This is a sequel to WandaVision. This is a sequel to uh, Miss Marvel, the series that's coming out in the fall. And similar to how Ant-Man and the Wasp added in the Wasp um, to the title when the sequel came around, I think we're going to see a pretty balance of screen time here. And yeah, the it's falling for me just because I, I need to see Miss Marvel before I put full faith in this being um, a worthy triple-led film. I totally get that. Um, I'm going to do something interesting here. I think the Marvels is rising and falling. 
you know, oh. and you might say, well, Matt, isn't that just plateauing? No, it's not because it's, it's such a fluctuating thing because of the recent uncertainty, you know, Captain Marvel two, the follow up to Carol Danvers origin story. You know, I think, you know, that, that is what a lot of us expected. We knew that Monica and uh, Kamala Khan were both going to be in this movie. We've known that for a long time. We knew it before WandaVision. Uh, it was uh, December 10th, uh, Investor Day. When I, got, when I got that knee surgery, that's when we learned that Monica yeah. and Kamala Khan were both going to be a part of this movie. If I would have told you then when we did that episode the next day, Liam, that you would be most excited for Monica Rambeau after she was a C character in a movie you hate, how insane would that be? You know? Right. Yeah. Like, so that just shows how far the Monica Rambo came as a, uh, not a lead, but you know, kind of a supplementary, supplementary lead in WandaVision. Such a good show. Um, so Monica brings it up. Uh, Kamala Khan. I agree that we have to see at least a trailer first, but I mean, there's no doubt this show is going to be great. Kamala Khan is one of the most beloved superheroes of the last decade um, in the panels of comic books. So I think that keeps it up. But it's the uh, attention shying away from Carol Danvers that I think drags us down a little bit. Not to say that Carol Danvers was this prolific and dynamic character that needs to be the focus of a movie. I mean, I like Captain Marvel. I don't hate it nearly as much as you do, but I don't have it in my top tier i have it at the back end of my mid tier you know and but for me that's not because of the carol Cam carol danvers i like that character a lot when she says hey peter parker in avengers endgame i feel things a lot of things and um so i i love that this is going to be a triple lead i love that they're gonna you know make this the the marvel the captain marvel or miss marvel um what do you call it a uh, mantle kind of the star of this show but you know, it's it's going all over the place because this has ties to WandaVision. Now, this has ties to Miss Marvel. This has, you know, it's a Captain Marvel sequel. It's going to have ties to Secret Invasion. There's probably going to be an X-Men tie if I had to guess. All these different things. So that is why I'm saying hold. Hold your Miss Marvel stock because like you said, Liam, if uh, hold your the Marvel stock because if Miss, if Miss Marvel booms as much as it should, what with her being such an amazing character in the comics, that being translated on screen should do well. If that hits, you had Monica, Miss Marvel joining Carol Danvers on her second movie where Brie Larson gets to kind of go in on, you know, she's more in her own in this. She's more a part of the character. It's not, she's not shooting a movie after already shooting her scenes for Avengers Endgame. People forget. This is going to be such a re big return on investment if you hold now so that's my take on the marvels i don't love I the title it. either drop the the marvels would be sick yeah marvel studios marvels would be a little weird though that that did drag me across on, a, on twitter but marvels i just think is such a cool name <laughs> yeah yeah i i do want to be clear i don't hate captain marvel even though it, it does come in last on my mc rankings i don't hate any marvel movies i was just very let down by the immediate shift in tone um, between acts one and two. And then the rest of the movie just kind of dragged for me. And I think that the, I think a big thing uh, to put your stock in the Marvels, the sequel uh, is the fact that we're getting a director change. And I think that a change in direction will be a nice, a nice boost of, uh, of confidence in the franchise, just because, you know, there's a lot of rhetoric on Twitter and on fandoms, Brie Larson is very polarizing for whatever reason. She's a phenomenal actress, and I don't think she's a bad Captain Marvel. I think I just think she was given a bad script. You mentioned 
how great she is in Avengers Endgame? Exactly. Because that's a great movie with great directors. And I, I think uh, a refreshing take on the franchise, uh, there'll be a lot of reason to retroactively like the first Captain Marvel if this movie succeeds, but we'll have to wait and see deep into 2022. Speaking of deep into 2022, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania landing later on in the year. Matt, I'll go to you first. Where do you have Quantum Mania at? I have it falling. Um, not for any, I mean, we don't know anything about this movie other than Kang's going to be in it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's really the only thing we know. And that was almost a year ago we learned that. Um, uh, both the new director for Captain Marvel, Nita Costa, and Kang, the subjects of the first two episodes of post credits. So there you go. Um, it's in between two space epics. You know, the Marvels is going to explore so many things intergalactic. Monica's heading to space. Captain Marvel is a space character. I don't know how Kamala is going to get up there, but we'll find out. And then <laughs> following A Man of the Wasp Quantumania is Guardians Volume 3, probably the most anticipated MCU cosmic movie that there's ever been. So um, I think just like Ant-Man and the Wasp did, this one kind of falls in a weird spot where we're going to be coming off something potentially super exciting, what with the Marvels, and ready for Guardians Volume 3. Um, obviously, good trailer, good storyline, a good you know idea of what's happening in this movie could change that, but I find it falling just simply for the fact that I'm not really sure where this movie's going to fit. With Kang being involved and with Quantumania being the title, it's going to have a time travel quality to it in some way, shape, or form. And I am just worrisome about diving more into time travel and maybe over-explaining things that need to be left a little more ambiguous um, just for the sake of Endgame, you know? Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, you know, I'm sure Marvel's going to do an amazing job with whatever story they pick. But anytime you introduce time travel, it kind of changes the rules a little bit. Reintroducing it with Kang and Quantumania, it's just a little shaky for me. Yeah, I'm also going to go slightly falling, um, but keep an eye on it over these next couple weeks because I think if and when Kang gets introduced in Loki or at least name dropped, oh. uh, you'll, you'll see this rise, not significantly, but at least ears will perk up. You know, keyboards will be typed on. Kang will pop up in search engines. And then all of a sudden you search Kang, you find quantum mania. Next thing you know, you're invested in this movie. But for now, uh, it's falling ever so slightly. Um, And I would just say, keep an eye on it because in terms of this fictional world where we assign uh, currency to to movies, I I think Ant-Man quantum mania stock will be fairly cheap over the next couple of weeks. Um, But we'll see a a significant rise uh, if and when Kang gets at least mentioned in Loki coming out June 9th. Moving forward now, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, you mentioned it, Matt. This one, 2023, I believe. It's in it's in May, coming out six years after its predecessor, which will, I believe it will tie Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness for longest time between sequels. Actually, it'll be longer because Doctor Strange, the first one, was November 2016. This one will be... February or March, excuse me, of 2022. So about five and a half years. Guardians 3, it'll be six years since we've had a solo Guardians movie, but we did get those characters, you know, in many, many scenes of Infinity War and Endgame. I am going to go, I, I hate to do it, Matt, because I, I know this is con- kind of your franchise, but I'm going to say Guardians 3 stock is rising, but I'm going to tell you to sell. 
And the reason why I'm going to tell you to sell is because I, I don't cast doubt on James Gunn to deliver. I think he's a phenomenal director, but the fact that this is coming out or he's, he's going to be working on this almost immediately after the suicide squad wraps up. I just think those kind of back-to-back projects is a lot, you know, to divide your time and to kind of, if he delivers big on suicide squad, I think stock for guardians three goes up. It almost makes me more hesitant because how often is it that directors hit back-to-back home runs? And, you know, you look at the MCU and you got, you got a, a, a stock full. You got, you got the Russos who consistently nail it. Um, but honestly, are they the only ones uh, aside no. from, you know, uh, John Favreau, you could argue Iron Man 2 wasn't anything special, but John you could Watts. argue stu- studio interference. John Watts. Hey, good point. He brought me right back in. John Watts did hit uh, two uh, solid. I'll, I'll say the first one was a home run. The second one was like a, a nice ground rule double, you know? No, no, I don't. I don't yeah, I think I'll far, take a ground from, rule double. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Far from home. Far from home is is a really good movie, but I don't think it was homecoming quality. Um, but the reason why I'm going to say sell that Guardian stock is because I think where it's at now, I I don't know if if it if it'll deliver as high as it as the hype can be. Um, after the Suicide Squad, after the holiday special that'll come out, you know, a couple months before it, and uh, yeah, just get a little return on investment, even if you only break even. Uh, I'd say sell your Guardians 3 stock. Matt, tell me how wrong I am. Um, You're very wrong. Uh, No, uh, all great points, all valid uh, worries for kind of how this movie is going to be approached. I have it at neutral um, just because we don't know anything more than a new logo, which is sick, by the way. Bro, like as a graphic artist my entire life, seeing that logo and then seeing it animate with like the the audio uh, wavelengths coming out of the sides mm. of all, dude, so sick. Um, and you know, and that kind of brings me back to my point. Guardians was the mold breaker for everyone saying, "Well, MCU, it's cookie cutter. It's got a, it's got a formula, and this is how they make good movies. It's just popcorn stuff, right?" Guardians broke that mold with being so different, so wild. It's characters we don't care about, but now we do all at once and then guardians 2 doubled down on everything that guardians 1 did great i don't personally think it is a better movie than guardians 1 still a top half mcu movie for me because it brings so many unique qualities to the mcu that no other movie has it's the music it's the chemistry it's the comedy no other mcu movie brings those things quite like guardians does no other movie really does suicide squad we're gonna find out real quick um but i think because guardians kind of plays in different rules than any of these other movies like you know it within the confines of the mcu obviously infinity war and endgame happened but it's pretty elseworld you know they're gonna be in thor but the guardians are their own team monitoring under their own morals and objectives and they have their own set of rules so i think that you know we got to look at this as a true three movie run for james gunn outside of the big picture of the mcu i think this is going to be a slam dunk home run grand slam type project within the confines of the mcu i i understand your worries a little more but i think the rules are different for guardians and dude the soundtrack yeah it's like they're creeping into early 80s you know Mm. spectrum for where peter quill's music sources are coming from because Uh it it was the tapes from his mom and then it was a zune and you know we're transferring to early 80s stuff it's gonna be just electric what we're about to get out of the soundtrack so uh yeah i'm i'm always gonna be all in on guardians this is you know this is the one if cap if the cat franchise is ever going to get top for me it's going to be through guardians 3 um i do want to point out real quick i know i just went on a little bit 
James Gunn recently noted that this could be his last Marvel movie, which, you know, three movies for a director is a lot. A lot, a lot. Like, the Russo brothers were special to do four, but really they only did three because they shot Infinity War and Endgame back-to-back. So I understand that, and that's going to be interesting. Batista, uh, Dave Batista, also came out and said that this might be the end of Drax um, for Guardians because he wants to move on to different roles. Being a full makeup character... I could see that. I also don't buy it one single bit because Mickey Mouse got deep pockets. But what's going to be interesting about Guardians 3 is how they transition the Guardians IP. Because in the comics, this is a rotating roster. Ghost Rider, part of the Guardians. Nova, part of the Guardians. Reed Richards gets a Guardians run every now and again. Kitty Pride and Peter Quill. Great love relationship there, all in the comics. So maybe this this might be this might be the finale for our Guardians team that we know and love that broke out of that prison that one time. But I don't think the Guardians, you know, IP is done in any sense of the word. For sure. And I think it lends itself well. Um, to like the Avengers too. We'll see an Avengers five, but you know, we won't have the the core six that we saw back in 2012. It's a, it's a rotating cast. And I think a fun way to play with guardians is yeah. Make it a rotating cast in a similar sense. I was just going to say, I got a, I got a cool thought there about uh, the soundtrack because at the end of guardians one, he finds the volume two cassette tape, but it mm-hmm. kind of implies that there was only a, a volume two made by his mom. What if, they do something where like they open this movie or they do like a quick flashback to Peter Quill when he's leaving earth after attending Tony Stark's funeral, like stumbles in the house and then comes across like a CD that Tony Stark is like scratched up. And it's like a bunch of like, obviously ACDC isn't his vibe, but like if Tony Stark had like an eighties themed playlist somewhere that Peter Quill got his hands on and then, and then he left, I think that'd be a pretty cool way to to make, make volume three of, of music Uh, make canon sense so i think that'd be pretty cool rounding out our debut edition of the stock exchange matt we've gone through 10 movies we've assigned i believe each of us have assigned all of our buy sell and holds we've we've labeled stuff as rising falling tanking plateauing we now leave off with just about the most mysterious project on this list the only one without a release date and without even much known besides one number Four, Fantastic Four. Coming to the MCU, the first of the Fox properties to be announced within the MCU. They haven't really made anything official with X-Men, with anything with Silver Surfer. Uh, They haven't even, you know, chatted once about the possibility of Galactus and Doctor Doom. We know Fantastic Four is coming. We know Reed Richards, Sue Storm, Johnny Storm, and Ben Grimm will be making their way to the MCU at some point in the next couple of years. It's all we really know. So I'll go to you first based on the very lack of knowledge, but just at least the stamp of approval. Like we're going to end this sizzle reel with this number and we're going to let you know it's on the way. Where do you have Fantastic Four? Forever rising, the Fantastic Four. Every mm. time I see that logo in any capacity, I'm, I'm, I'm washed with emotion and excitement because this is such a big deal for the MCU. The first family of comic books it's it's such a classic and traditional ip that you know has gotten two very big studio attempts that are widely disregarded um you know as far as like you know good comic book movies i did recently rewatch both fantastic four movies recently and that first one is a blast man i had such a good time it was so fun that's not what we're talking about though liam that's not what we're here to talk about i love these characters 
I love these dynamics. It's family, it's science, it's it's unique personality related powers and I think that it's going to open up a whole new branch of the MCU and it really just gets me excited for post Avengers Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff. There's no Avengers movies on this slate. And when you take a look at it, you know, like I just mentioned the Guardians have a totally different set of rules because they're a totally different team that isn't Earth-based and isn't a part of our traditional continuity of Phase 1, basically, where most of the movies stemmed off of. So you have the Guardians. The Eternals are about to be a brand new team in the MCU that, you know, we don't know where they're going to leave off, but we do know Cersei and probably Kit Harrington and, if I had to guess, Richard Madden are going to continue their run. The X-Men are coming. Fantastic Four are coming. These street-level characters that were being introduced to, Moon Knight, Shang-Chi, etc., you know, Heroes for Hire are more than likely to be around the corner. Young Avengers. So there's so many new teams coming to the MCU, and I'm so excited about it because I do think that the Fantastic Four are going to be a shocking uh, you know, lead in the MCU more, more, sooner than later. Yeah, I'm also going to say, I'm going to use a different adjective to describe Fantastic Four, and I'm going to call it creeping. It's creeping up. It's creeping nice. up ever so slightly. Uh, there's two There's two things to watch out for in terms of uh, Fantastic Four stock. Uh, one date and then one just day to look out for. Uh, the one day to look out for is when they announce this cast because the cast is going to make or break this film in terms of hype levels. I think that there, there could be one or two names in the cast that come as a surprise. And it might have, you know, a Heath Ledger effect where in the moment you're like, oh, how could this guy ever play this character? And then you see him in the movie and you're like, wow, it, it made perfect sense. I was crazy. But similar to kind of the Spider-Man No Way Home situation, if they don't cast who the internet has wanted to cast, you're going to have a lot of people uh, putting these actors um, at a disadvantage before they even show up on screen. So I think when they announce the cast, it's going to be pretty telling about its stock. But the other date I'll give you is December 17th, 2021, because that's the day that John Watts's Spider-Man No Way Home comes out. And if you remember, he's the one directing this movie. If Spider-Man No Way Home booms, I think Doctor Strange is the stock that everyone's going to talk about and be like, this movie's going to be so sick because Doctor Strange was in it. And I can't wait to see him again in three months. What people aren't going to be talking about, which they should be, is, oh my God, John Watts is now three for three and he's now directing Fantastic Four. The last time directors went three for three in the MCU, the next movie they made was called Avengers Endgame. And it was the highest grossing movie for just about two years until it was robbed by Avatar. We're coming back for that title. Don't Fuck you worry. Fuck you, Jimmy Cameron. <laughs> what Matt said. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic Four. Keep your eye on it for sure. Uh, ever so creeping over the next couple months, but it's going to have some big, big spikes when Spider-Man No Way Home comes out and when they announce this cast. Keep an eye out. That's... We'll do it for the MCU stock exchange of phase four. Matt, I had a blast an hour, an hour. We went going back and forth about these projects and, and ranking them and seeing, you know, where they, where they ended up. And you did mention something pretty interesting, Matt. You mentioned a lot of teams coming into the folds. You mentioned heroes for hire. Maybe you mentioned uh, the guardians of the galaxy popping back up again in 2023. There's another team that might make their way to screens at some point in the future and that's the young avengers and we've been introduced to a couple young avengers um so far we got wicked we got speed we got kate bishop coming in hawkeye but a young avenger we did recently just meet is named 
Eli Bradley, and we got an interview with the man himself, Elijah Richardson, joins the Direct Podcast on the other end. Liam Crowley from thedirect.com here with a star from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the grandson of an American hero, Eli Bradley himself, Elijah Richardson. Elijah, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Thank you for having me, man. Absolutely. So we know the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is wrapped up. I'm sure your world is absolutely crazy right now with everyone congratulating you on a great season. But I kind of want to go back to day one. What was that audition process like when you were auditioning for the role of Eli Bradley? And can you kind of walk me through your emotions when you found out, man, I got the role? Um, yeah, so the audition process was a little crazy. So when I first auditioned for it, I knew that I was auditioning for Marvel, but I didn't know what character I was going to be auditioning for. So I was given like, you know, different sides. You know, they don't want to disclose the, the actual size until you get the role. So when I got the size, I did my own, my self-tape. For those who don't know what a self-tape is, it's like when you record yourself and then you send it over to the production company. So I did my self-tape. And then when I, when I approached this character, I knew it was for Marvel. So I was like, you know, maybe this character has like a, a superpower or an ability or some, some, something like that. So... After that, I got a call back saying that, okay, so we want you to do another audition. I did another audition with different size again. So I'm like, okay. So I approached the character the exact same way. I was like, you know what? This character has to have some ability or superpower because this is Marvel. There's no way that he doesn't. So after that, I, um, I, I received a call, like a Zoom call from um, Kari Skogler, which is the director. She, um, she just wanted to talk to me about, you know, my favorite Marvel movies and, you know, just talking to me about stuff like that. But yeah, after that, when I got the role, I was like, you know, doing my research on the character and trying to figure out who this person really was so I can like really embody it. And then after that, I really started to watch a whole bunch of Marvel movies over again. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's really cool to hear. I love when, when directors speak to uh, potential actors about, you know, favorite movies, favorite this and that, just because it like kind of gets you acclimated into the universe. So I, that is actually one of my questions. And I'm curious to hear, do you have any favorite Marvel movies? Like I know you did your research and you caught up on a lot of stuff, but before the audition process even happened, did you have a movie that you really liked? Um, yeah, I like Spider-Man Homecoming and Black Panther. Those was like my top two. Yeah, Homecoming. Homecoming's a, a hot one for me, and I love Black Panther. I'm so excited for the sequel. They the, they just started, uh, announced the subtitle Wakanda Forever. I think it's gonna be pretty special. Oh, did they? Yeah, that was on uh, on Monday. They they dropped a new sizzle. It's it's looking cool. Um, but back to back to Falcon Winter Soldier stuff. Uh, I'm curious because you mentioned how uh, you knew it was Marvel, but you didn't know you know what the role was gonna be, and you're like, okay, well maybe as a superpower, maybe as this. When you do get the role, you're entering a universe that is already super fleshed out. You know, there's so many characters, so many storylines, so many locations that are already so familiar. So how did you kind of approach being the new guy in a universe that's so established and expansive already? Like I said, um, you know, I did my research after I found out that I got the role. I tried to um, figure out who Elijah Bradley was and what relationships that he might have with other people maybe in the Marvel universe. So I just, I just took that into consideration when approaching the character. 
For sure. For sure. And obviously uh, you're on the younger side um, with this giant universe. A lot of actors are, you know, adult ages, but the MCU is not a stranger at all to young actors. We've seen Tom Holland, Ty Simpkins, Zendaya uh, come to mind as young actors who have been in past projects. And then names like Haley Steinfeld, Catherine Newton are going to join the MCU in phase four projects um, as well. So did you turn to any of the younger cast members of the MCU for advice, inspiration, stuff like that? Um, I think, you know, watching their movies <laughs> in the MCU was like an, the, enough inspiration for me, honestly. And also on top of that, I, I auditioned for this, this show called Casey Undercover as in Day's Younger Brother. And I got like two callbacks for it, but I didn't get the role, unfortunately. But I would love to work with, you know, Tom Holland's and Day and like a bunch of uh, young people from the MCU. For sure, for sure. So now let's talk some specifics with what we saw from your character in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Obviously the grandson of Isaiah Bradley, a character that debuted alongside you in this show. But the biggest difference between the two is almost like he has so much implied history. You're still very much like the new kid on the block. We, we didn't get to see his story in flashbacks, but we got to hear about it. And he feels very established in the MCU, even though he really just debuted. So what was your approach to playing opposite a character with so much history that we got to find out while your character was still kind of learning about. Yeah, so like I said, you know, this all goes back to like me doing my research. So I researched on my character and Isaiah Bradley at the same time because I wanted to know what kind of relationship that they would have. And I, try, I tried my best to like translate it on screen. So um, yeah, that was pretty much my approach with, you know, creating that Elijah Bradley and Isaiah Bradley kind of bond. For sure, for sure. And speaking of Isaiah Bradley, let's turn to the actor himself now, Carl Lumley, one of the most iconic names in Hollywood. His roles on TV and film uh, cannot be understated. He's a big name. Uh, so what was that experience like working with Carl Lumley so directly? Were you able to like pick his brain off screen and get some acting tips? So yeah, really, when, um, when I first got on set, like my first day on set, I, um, I met Carl Lumley. And that was like the first person that I really connected with on set. And it was weird because, you know, that's my grandfather. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Um, really, it wasn't me asking him questions or picking his brain. It was more of him just like spilling his knowledge onto me. I don't want to, you know, get too deep into it about our conversations, but he did uh, like change my perspective on the actor industry as a whole and made me come about this character a little differently. So we talked about Carl Lumley having those offset experiences with him and really getting to learn from him. But you also worked with two very big leading men, the stars of the show, Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie. And you shared the screen with Mackie multiple times in just about every episode you were in. Uh, did you share any special moments with Mackie or Stan as well uh, off screen that you'd like to share? All right, I just want to say two wonderful actors, two great guys on and off set. But um, I didn't really get to connect too much with Sebastian, but um, I definitely did with Anthony Mackie. Like we, we, we shared this bond offset and I think it really translated on camera work. I think it did. But um, but yeah, um, I don't want to get too much into what we talked about offset. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he he's he's a nice guy, he's a clown offset, he's a comedian. But uh we had a lot of fun on camera. Like we had like I, I'm pretty sure we had like a, a whole bunch of bloopers <laughs> to where we were just messing around with each other. But yeah, I think it was like a great experience for me. I gotta ask real quick, how many times did he say cut the check? I can't even count. 
<laughs> every every interview I, I see him in, uh, he's always saying it. And then I see the bloopers as well. And I'm like, he he that's like his go-to phrase. But yeah, he's he seems like such a joy to work with. And it's really cool to hear that you had a great experience off camera with him. Um, looking now towards the MCU as a whole, uh, we've kind of chatted about it briefly. And you mentioned how you'd love to work with like a Tom Holland, a Zendaya one day. But looking towards the MCU entirely, not just the young actors specifically, uh, are there any actors or characters uh, within the Marvel Cinematic Universe that you'd like to work with one day? Um, yeah, I would love to work with uh, Ryan Reynolds, like <laughs> in uh, Deadpool. I would, like because I watched Deadpool. Like my friend actually put me on Deadpool because before that I wasn't. I, I didn't really watch it, but yeah, he put me on, and I was like. I was like, this is good. And then I went to watch Deadpool 2 by myself. And then it was just, I don't know. I think it's, it's something special about him that I just I just want to work with him. But I would For love sure. to work with everyone in the MCU, honestly. For sure, yeah. It, it's such a talented bunch. I always look to the uh, the big 10-year anniversary photo of all the talent gathered in, on, in one photograph. And it's insane, the amount of A-list talent that's there. And it's only growing, too, which is really cool to see. Uh, I, would, look, I would love to yeah. work with um the cast of the falcon and winter soldier again i would love to do that. oh yeah i mean uh, the the cap trilogy is by far my favorite series of movies in the mcu and to see so many of those names return from winter soldier civil war and then bring in new names like yourself carl lumley uh what's her name aaron kellyman with the flag smashers it was a really phenomenal blend so yeah the cast of the falcon winter soldier obviously great shout um looking deeper towards the future uh, you did recently mention on instagram uh in a caption that this may only be the beginning of eli bradley uh, i'm i know we both know the route eli goes in the comics and i'm just curious is that a future that you hope to explore in the mcu one day i mean honestly that's that's kind of all it is it's just you know hopes and dreams <laughs> i mean yeah obviously it's like who doesn't want to be a part of the mcu right but I mean, we'll, we'll see. It was more of a we'll see. For sure. Sounds good. Uh, Eli, Elijah, excuse me. I, I'm calling you Eli because that's the character name, but you got, you, I go you got that. that's awesome. That's actually really cool. I, I noticed that when I saw the cast listing, I was like, he's got the name as his character. That's really cool. Uh, looking towards the future for you personally, uh, that's all the questions I have, but do you have any projects that you got coming up in 2021, 2022 outside of the MCU that you'd like to tout right now? Um, yes, you guys can check out on my IMDb that I'm, I'm working on a project called Hollywood Stargirl that's also going to be coming on Disney Plus. And, you know, I can't tell you what it's about, but um, you guys can go check out the first Stargirl, which is also on Disney Plus. So this is like a sequel to it. Elijah Richardson, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, man. One project on the docket coming up for HBO Max that has been getting some buzz. The Green Lantern Corps. Obviously, the Green Lantern franchise is a franchise that didn't do too hot in its first live action run with DC, but was one that, similar to kind of the Fantastic Four, fans were clamoring for DC to reboot ASAP because it's such an expansive lore. And we kind of got the best situation possible with the fact that this is now going to be a series that doesn't explore one Green Lantern, not two, not three, explores dozens. We're going to get an entire police force in space with these Green Lantern guys. We already got one cast, Guy Gardner, going to be played by an actor that I'm forgetting his name, but I got it right now. It's Finn Wittrock. You know him from American Horror Story and uh, Assassination of Versace. And a lot of people are very happy with that casting, but he's only one of many Green Lanterns to be cast in this series. That's why we are bringing back the direct fan cast. Woo! 
to go through some green lanterns. Matt, I'll kick to you first. Big one that people have been waiting for a live action debut for so long. John Stewart, who you got playing Johnny Stew? I think that I need to preface everything that we're about to say with the fact that, you know, uh, more than most were Marvel guys. You know, we love DC. Don't get us wrong. Grew up on Batman and Superman movies. But, um, you know, we don't know. I don't know at least a ton about the Green Lantern lore, about the characters, all that stuff. This is going to be an exciting series for me because I'm excited to learn about mm. characters that I don't know a ton about. And that's what makes it mm -mm -mm. being a series such a good job. And if for anybody wondering, well, it's not a Disney Plus series, how you know it's going to be good? Find me a bad HBO series. I dare you. So mm. here we go. Jon Stewart, um, through a brief fandom research, I looked up Jon Stewart and a little bit of his characteristics. And this is what I found. He's an intellectual. He's a meticulous Green Lantern. He is all about overcoming the odds from a political and emotional standpoint which is a very big important thing about the Green Lanterns is, you know, your emotions play into your power. And then, um, you know, he's just here to do a job, a very, a very stoic, intellectual, powerful presence on screen. And when I think about powerful presences on screen, the conversation begins and ends with Sterling K. Brown. I think ah. that, you know, he has a stern intellectual focus. He has, you know, some of the greatest face acting in Hollywood right now. Obviously, we know Sterling Kane Brown from Black Panther um, playing T King T'Chaka's brother, uh, Michael B. Jordan's father. I forget the name. Um, we got the research department on it, research baby. department's going to find his name. But um, I know Sterling Kane Brown m mostly from the first two seasons of This Is Us, which is you know one of the most make-you-cry shows ever. So while a lot of people know him as Prince Najobu from Black Panther... Um, if you know him from This Is Us, you know this guy can command a screen at any given time along with some amazing actors. So that is my pick for Jon Stewart because I truly believe Sterling K. Brown can carry any series and he will elevate actors around him on a daily basis. Liam, who is your Jon Stewart? Uh, you mentioned how he's an intellectual, how he's almost soft-spoken and his words have meaning. Uh, you know, when I think about guys who who can speak words with meaning. I usually go to guys with British accents for whatever reason. And I'm going to go with an, a phenomenal Brit who's no stranger to comic book movies whatsoever. Heimdall himself, Idris Elba. Uh, Idris Elba has been not attached to play Jon Stewart, but has been almost the internet's dream casting for so long. And it's one of those ones that I feel like is too perfect to ignore. I remember he didn't have a falling out with Marvel, but kind of definitely wanted to leave after the dark world, I think because he wanted to pursue this role and knew he kind of couldn't as long as he was, you know, tied down to Marvel. Don't, you know, like uh, take my words as gospel there. It's just a lot of stuff I've, I've heard over the years and I don't know how, how much validity validity there was to it, but I think that this is a character he would love to explore and Heimdall was cool, but I think Idris Elba, his stock kind of rose so fast. You know, when 2011's Thor came out, if you look back at that and go, they got Idris Elba to play that role, you got to realize Idris Elba was not who he was now in 2011. So by the time Ragnarok came around, um, and even Infinity War, when he's in it for, you know, just a cup of coffee, it's like, how did they get Idris Elba, A-list Idris Elba, to play such a supporting role? Um, and I think that he, similar to Oscar Isaac, giving comic book movies a second chance with Moon Knight, will almost give comic book movies a second chance 
with the potential to play John Stewart. Um, he's great in, in uh, series as well. He, I, I don't know if it's HBO. It actually might be stars or, or whatnot, but he's in that one show that he made his name in. And I am forgetting what, for whatever reason, research, but don't department. Worry, research department is on that. But Idris Elba, again, is one of those just phenomenal actors that I think could bring a generational once in a generation feel to the Jon Stewart character. And even though the research department is, is searching, Luther. it's searching Luther, Luther, he's great in, and there's another one called Nine, the, the wire, the wire. Oh, he was in the wire. Yeah, I, I believe know. so. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I didn't Either know way. he was in the wire. God, that was long ago. Oh yeah. He was in the wire. How about that? He was in the wire. And a bag Anyways. of chips. <laughs> Moving on now, John Stewart. We both got two big A-list actors uh, pen to play him. I don't think you can really go wrong with either one of them. Sterling K. Brown, Idris Elba, both phenomenal. Let's go to the man that has already seen live action time once before, Hal Jordan. I got to say, when the first Green Lantern came around, I thought Ryan Reynolds was like a really solid pick to play Hal Jordan. Just yeah. don't think the script just worked. And he's almost just, you know, not almost. He is so much better and so much more tailor-made to play the Merc with the Mouth Deadpool. But this is going to be a casting that's kind of weird because you know you gotta you gotta nail it but also you gotta you know kind of rub the stink off of uh the old green lantern movie not to say uh ryan reynolds gave a bad performance but like you know the hal jordan name kind of comes with the green lantern movie baggage so matt who we got as hal jordan so i am super excited about this pick because this is an actor that i have um disliked in a huge role in the past oh, we have the same one i knew it we have the same I one knew it. i don't know how to pronounce his last name so who is it oh wait i don't know if we have the same one. Oh, see here we go okay so um that was just bad radio everybody so uh my pick for the flyboy fish out of water pure heart emotion uh hal jordan is Alden Ehrenreich. Alden Ehrenreich. Okay. Alden Ehrenreich. Is it not the same I'll, one? I'll explain why I thought otherwise. With oh, shit. Man, guys, we apologize for the false. Alden Ehrenreich, obviously from the movie Solo, played a young Han Solo. I did not like him in that movie at all. Obviously, he has to follow up Harrison Ford. Very different. I think, though, he does have an amazing flyboy vibe. I think he has a great, um, you know, just ready to get out there and get involved in the action uh, emotion to him. He also, in that movie, had a lot of incredibly well done helpless emotion scenes, you know, where he just kind of felt lost and out of it. And I think Hal Jordan is going to have a lot of that in this series. Also, I think something that people take for granted a lot, he has big picture experience. You know, he's been in a huge budget Disney film before and one that didn't do very well. I think that experience will bring him into a good role here as Hal Jordan, much like our boy Chris Evans, who had to, as you say, wash the stink off of his comic book career after Fantastic Four, The Rise of the Silver Surfer, and has now become one of the greatest comic book actors of all time. So, um, Alden Ehrenreich is my pick for Hal Jordan. Who did you think I was going to say? So you mentioned how it was an actor who starred in one of these projects, you know, Marvel, DC, Star Wars, who you didn't care for. And I thought you were going to go with the guy who played Cyclops because you've said oh, how God. much you don't care. <laughs> you don't care for Cyclops. Uh, James Marsden is my Hal Jordan. Uh, I there's there's a great comic good. book acting performance in James Marsden. And yeah. the reason why I'm making this pick 
uh, not just for the fact that I think he's just got the killer jawline to, to play, you know, a, a leading man in comic book movie. Uh, I watched the first season of Westworld and I thought he was very, very so good. good in it. Um, and it left me kind of wanting a lot to be desired because he started out as like the leading man in episode one and then very much became an ep- uh, a supporting role yeah. as the first season went on. Haven't seen the other seasons, so only basing my knowledge off the principal season. But I think that he he has a, a very big chance uh, to kind of have a redemption arc in the comic book movie space if he does play Hal Jordan. It's a big ask, but I just I got I got faith in him. I, I feel like my cast uh, is very focused on uh, people kind of washing the stink off previous movies. Not that Heimdall, you know, comes off bad <laughs> movies, but, you know, he wanted he yeah. wanted more. He wanted more from yeah. it. Same with James Mars. And I'm sure when he read that script, he was like, I'm playing the leader of the X-Men. And you're playing, you know, Wolverine's second fiddle probably left a lot to be desired because you know he's in a couple good x-men movies x2 is is you know it was on a draft last week it's a really solid addition yeah. he got killed off a little too early in last stand because he wanted to go do superman with uh J- not jj brandon roth yeah yeah As brandon superman. roth yeah yeah but uh yeah james marsden my hal jordan i am so glad you don't gamble I'm so, <laughs> so happy because when you're talking about stocks earlier, you were talking about, you know, holding on to Dogecoin and, you know, getting through it and your fingers started wavering and stuff. Now you're talking about how you can't quit James Marsden. You would get lost by the Atlanta Falcons every single Sunday, every single week. Um, I'm really happy you don't gamble, but I don't hate the pick. I think, I think James Marsden, like I said earlier, big budget experience ensemble cast experience also i think it's something to think about so i don't hate to pick it all is he a little too old for it is my only question i think you could make the argument that he's Mm -hmm. definitely getting up there um in the age gorgeous human being don't get me wrong but i mean he definitely does look more 40 than he does you know lower 30s nowadays yeah he's a handsome guy and i i think he would he would he would fit the role you know if if you mesh up Either of our picks so far, we got a pretty handsome Green Lantern cast. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm sure it's just going to continue. Moving on now to the first Green Lantern, Alan Scott. Man, I really hope they bring back the uh, the initial costume. Just even for like a flashback the red scene. One? You know, the red with mm-hmm. when he's got the lantern thing. He's got yeah. the yellow cape and all that. He looks it would like be, Robin uh, with the, with the uh, eye thing on. Yep. It, yeah. it would be... It'd be interesting. I'll say that much. Uh, what we know about Alan Scott from the background, he's a news reporter, news reporter in some iterations, also an FBI agent. So kind of got two sides of the origin you can play with. And he is rumored to be the next Green Lantern that they are going to cast uh, for this series. When um, Finn Wittrock was cast as Guy Gardner in the report, it said the Alan Scott um, casting was, quote, impending. So it, it's coming soon. He's going to be in the show in some capacity. Uh, Matt, who do we have as our Alan Scott? Another character note about Alan Scott that I think is incredibly important, I think it's been reported they're going to play on, is that he recently came out as uh, an openly gay superhero in the DC Universe, which I think is a very big storyline they're playing right now in the panels, and I cannot imagine that they do not take advantage of that emotional impact in this show. So I think LGBTQ uh, representation could, uh, you know, it's a very important thing in these types of roles, and I think Warner Brothers and HBO have an opportunity here to really make that Hatton, Captain. So I'm looking for somebody who, you know, Alan Scott, a character that's been around since like the 40s. You know, he's a news anchor because he can be close to the crime when it happens. Very Clark Kent like. He has a lot of very tropey, campy, um, you know, characteristics to his origin story. He's going to be, you know, probably a mentor role here. He's going to need to be witty. 
He's going to need to be campy. He's going to need to be over the top at times, but unexpectedly dramatic. And if you want to throw an LGBTQ representation, a witty, original, uh, organically campy character in that community, Neil Patrick Harris. Give it to me, man. He can do anything. He's a chameleon. People obviously remember him for his comedic roles in Harold and Kumar and How I Met Your Mother. But I do want to say he is a like thespian stage actor who knows how to act at any given time. I think he can get a wide range here. He can provide a lot of comedic relief as an older role. You know, something we haven't really seen in PH really rock. You know, I haven't seen him in anything in a long time. He's being a dad. Uh, he's just been being a dad for the past five, five years, I think. So, you know, bring back Neil Patrick Harris for Alan Scott and bring that representation in that people are clamoring for out of this character. I almost want to pivot my pick to just endorse yours because that's, that's just a great pick. I love Neil Patrick Harris. Bar- Barney Stinson is like my favorite TV character ever on screen. And I absolutely agree that representation is so pivotal um, in these comic book movie universes. We're seeing it right now with Miss Marvel, Shang-Chi, um, even on the DC side of things, uh, possibly getting a black Superman in there, a black Cal-El too. So I think I also want to align with that with casting Alan Scott and being true to his gay origins. And I'm going to go with Matt Bomber. You know him from uh, White Collar on USA Network. I've actually seen far far more episodes than i would have expected to myself to watch because it always would uh would air after monday night raw Raw. yep yeah on on usa i remember the trailers (laughs) yeah right and so like for whatever reason you know i'm still reeling in from raw i'm checking twitter and then this show's on and i get sucked in all of a sudden so i think he would be phenomenal in the role but i don't know him as much as i know like neil patrick harris like neil patrick harris even aside from Rewatching nine seasons of How I Met Your Mother countless times, I think he has the phenomenal chops that you see in in Gone Girl, even for in the few scenes he's in in that movie. So, and he also has the blonde hair too. <laughs> like, it, it, there's so many reasons why Neil Patrick Harris is such a money pick for this. I will deviate and be different for the sake of being different. Hashtag contrarian and go with Matt Bomber. But yeah, Neil Patrick Harris is such a great pick. I kind of wish I thought of it. Matt Bomber's a bad guy from End Time. Great movie yes oh what a great premise too everyone overlooks it i love that movie your boy yeah i know why you watched it because your boy is the leading man i mean dude i say captain marvel makes me feel things justin Timberlake makes me feel things (laughs) um i believe we have one more lantern left we do got one left kyle rayner he was given in the comics the last green lantern ring and as matt educated me before we hit record he kind of went rogue He kind of went nuts. He kind of killed most of the Green Lantern Corps. Oh, my God. He's also a former artist in Los Angeles and a comic book movie. uh, Not comic book movie, but a comic book salesman and all that. And he he works with comic books, which is just a very niche, tongue-in-cheek way of, of roping his origins into the world that we are in. Matt, who we got for Kyle Rayner? I'm so excited about this pick. This is an actor that I've only seen him in one thing, and I've only seen him in like four or five seasons of that one thing, but I love him as an actor, and I think he could play a rebel with a sense of purpose vibe really well. He has uh, one of the best smirks in Hollywood, and you know, there's a silent rage, a silent emotion behind Jeremy Allen White, better known as Lip Gallagher from Shameless, the oldest brother in the Shameless series um like i mentioned earlier he has a hidden um you know like a bad boy with a hidden talent kind of vibe to him and i think that he can play emotion and rage and and an organic feeling really well 
much like we expect Kyle Rayner to do if my research is correct. Liam, who is your Kyle Rayner? But real quick, uh, Jeremy Allen White, do you have any experience with Shameless at all? I have not seen Shameless, but I, I looked up the, the actor while you were talking and he's got just a very recognizable face. So I sure. know I've seen him in something. I actually saw on his IMDb, very ashamed to have seen this movie because it's atrocious, but movie 43, you familiar? Yeah. 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 Terrible. Awful. But he's in like one of the many sketches in that movie and it's, it's, whatever, not, it's atrocious. It's not bad when you watch it in college. Let me just, I'll just leave it at that. As for my Kyle Rayner, I am also going to go with the idea of the storyline will be executed and he kind of will turn on the Green Lanterns and kind of adapt into that anti-hero sinister vibe. And I went with Zac Efron because I want to see Zac Efron in more more stuff. I want to see him in Hollywood more because he's so good. He's so talented. He's great. And I think we got a glimpse of what he can be um, in Baywatch, a movie that I feel like is pretty overlooked. I don't think it was as good as people wanted it to be. People wanted it to be like 21 Jump Street completely. Mm. And it's not up to that quality, but he is so good in that movie. And he is still my number one pick to play Human Torch. And if he doesn't get cast as Human Torch, cast him as Kyle Rayner because uh, a dark haired Zac Efron with, with black hair and all that kind of going crazy and, and, and taking, taking a stance for himself and going against the Green Lantern Corps. That's a storyline I would love to see explored. And I think it would be like career Viagra to, to Zac Efron. He would be back in business all of a sudden. And, you know, have, have you never heard that term before? I love it so much. No, yeah. I, 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 it's not even original. I, I took that from, uh, I think it's John Campia, if, if anyone's familiar. He always talks about how The Rock is franchise Viagra because he, he does Fast and Furious. And all of a sudden, they're the biggest franchise in Hollywood for a minute. And, you know, so Zac so Efron. Upset. I'm so upset that's not yours. I'm so proud of you for a second. <laughs> Zach Efron as Kyle Rayner, career Viagra for him. But that's going to round Woo! out our Green Lantern castings. Hopefully we get more news in the coming weeks because this is quickly and quietly becoming one of my most anticipated DC projects as a whole. In brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. That was a sizzle reel. That was an interview. That was a stock exchange. That was a fan cast. And that's an episode. Episode 32 of the Direct Podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. We're sure that this was a long one, but we tried to pepper you with just so much different flavors from all the worlds of the comic book and Star Wars realms. But before we get out of here, after talking comic books for just about two hours we got to hit you with some weekly recommendations matt what you got for me real quick i want to shout out savannah sanders for joining us today from the direct.com make sure you give her a follow um my recommendation i mentioned it earlier in the fan cast watch shameless man uh liam i think you'd love it really it's um it's brilliant acting it's a south side chicago family and and if you're not from the midwest you don't know what that means but south side chicago is an interesting place and um some of my favorite characters come out of that show like i said i've only watched four or five seasons but emmy rossum and uh adam oh i just lost his name uh jeremy allen white um you know those are two actors that i've only seen in shameless and i absolutely adore all of their performances in that um so yeah that is my um weekly recommendation for this week is shameless I'm also going to recommend a TV show that Matt just kind of resurrected my my happiness with with his Alan Scott pick, How I Met Your Mother. I love the show. 
We've been rewatching it um, with my roommates the entire, not just semester, the entire year as a whole. And we're now on season six, you know, slowly getting through it. But man, these episodes are so good. And yeah, you know, the last of the elites come in season eight. So I'm hoping we can get there before the year is over. So How I Met Your Mother, give it a look if you haven't seen it already. And before we get out of here, we just want to remind you to subscribe, rate, review, Hit us up on social media at Liam T. Crowley, at Matt Remke, R-O-E-M-B as in boy K-E. We got a lot of fun stuff planned over this little content drought, but we want to hear back from y'all. Do you like the stock exchange? Do you like the fan cast? What about drafts? If you have draft topic suggestions, we will do them in the coming weeks. We're also going to hit you with a mailbag because we love answering your questions. Be on the lookout for that. So much fun stuff planned for the rest of 2021, just for the future in general and just to have a good time overall. We'll see you next week on the Direct Podcast. I said a bang, 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 bang